Hello, I'm David Klein. I teach industrial design at the Metro State College of Denver, and this lecture is a description of industrial design. So as you can see here on the slide, uh, I'm a member of IDSA, and that is the Industrial Designers Society of America. It's a website that I'll require you to visit later. There's a lot of information there about industrial design. And uh, <clears throat> as of August 2011, I am Associate Professor of Industrial Design, and I'm on the Auraria campus in Denver in the Technology Building, Room 124. So I hope you can come and say hi sometime, and if you're interested in industrial design, uh, we can come and talk about the program. So what is industrial design? I get a lot of questions about that, and a lot of people think it's the design of factories or the design of industry, but what it actually is is the design of products that are mass-produced in industry. So in the green here, uh, we see it as the idea, planning, and development of all kinds of mass-produced objects. Notice what's missing from that statement is the making. So the industrial design doesn't make things, like a ceramicist make things out of ceramics, a metalsmith makes them out of metal. The designer uh, has the ideas for products, plans them, and uh, stewards them, brings them along through production, and then they finally uh, go for sale on the market at stores like Target or online or whatever. So the next couple slides are examples of the wide variety of things that are all uh, considered uh, industrial designs. So these are all large categories uh, in industry, and within each of these categories, there's a lot of people working in uh, very different fields even within these. So for example, tools, uh, handheld tools, larger tools, uh, sports equipment like rollerblades and ski equipment, uh, chairs and furnitures, so uh, tables, chairs. Another large category for domestic uh, use is lighting, and then computers and consumer electronics. We have uh, soft goods that includes bags and backpacks and also shoes. Uh, it's actually one of the growing fields, especially in Colorado, the soft goods industry. And uh, there's some uh, running shoe companies, especially Newton out of Boulder. And it's a really expanding field. Um, in our department, in the industrial design department here at Metro State, we just purchased a lot of uh, about six industrial sewing machines. And we are, in fact, going to offer a course in the design of soft goods, uh, perhaps uh, next semester. That would be in uh, spring 2012. So consumer electronics like stereos and radios, uh, Samsung and Sony, they employ a bunch of designers. Uh, Nike, uh, in their office in Portland, they employ about 200 designers for designing shoes. And then there's the category of toys that's a little bit different, but it's a huge category. Uh, in the toy industry, there's a very quick turnaround. And... Um, People really like it. They're enthusiastic about toys. They have a lot of fun. So um, these are some of the other categories. And as I mentioned, there there are more. But in these uh, two slides, we've seen the large categories of products that are uh, for industrial design. So if we're thinking about what the designer does, or if all these objects are considered industrial designs, uh, what do they all have in common? So electronics, tools, furniture, uh, what do they have in common?
Mainly, they're all mass-produced and not made by hand. Some mass production involves hand labor and some hand finishing, especially in Scandinavian countries, the furniture industry. Uh, a lot of the main pieces of wood of the furniture are uh, made by machine, but a lot of stuff is finished by hand. So mass production is not only strictly limited to industrial production. It can involve <clears throat> hand labor. Secondly, they're all used by people. So it might be something I'm putting on my body, like a um, helmet or rollerblade or something. It might be a computer that I, I hardly touch, but I, I look at it. Or it could be a tool that I hold in my hand or anything. But um, most of the objects for a designer, from a designer are used by people. They all should have some kind of a function or a purpose, right? They're not just uh, things to be admired and looked at. Uh, some art might be uh, without an actual function, and that's uh, like a piece of sculpture or something. But a computer or a piece of furniture, although it might be beautiful like a piece of art, uh, main, the main thing about it is it has a function or a purpose. And then lastly, uh, hopefully, they're all new in some way. Okay, so we have chairs that have existed for a long time, but next year and the year after, there will continue to be new chairs coming out on the market. So there's something about that chair that makes it unique and new. And lastly here uh, is they could be beautiful. I say can be because uh, not all designs are beautiful and there's, you know, everything's not great. But uh, hopefully a designer shoots to make something beautiful or aesthetically attractive or... Um, you know, a better word is maybe aesthetically appropriate because I might not really want my hammer to be beautiful, but I want it to look strong and uh, convey that it's a strong tool. So it's not necessarily artistic beauty. So they are all mass produced, not made by hand. Um, so the designer makes a plan for many. The toothbrushes on the left, uh, any product you go to, Target or REI, there's so many uh, different styles and different types, and then there's just millions of that objects. So it's the most important thing is that the designer makes a plans for um, at minimum several thousand, but uh, often many thousand or in the millions. First and foremost, uh, the designer has to come up with some ideas that solve a problem or um, is a result of some observation of something they've seen, and then they do some sketches to figure out how they might make a new piece of furniture, a new handle on a pot, uh, whatever, a new feature in a cell phone. So on this slide, we see some examples of sketches. Uh, the bottom left is from around the 1940s from William Wagenfeld. He was a student at the Bauhaus. And on the right are contemporary designers. And there's some sketches there of some uh, furniture. So it's really low tech with just um, pen and pencil and paper. And of course, Leonardo, Leonardo da Vinci was one of the great sketchers and drawers and great inventors. And uh, he's considered by many actually to be the greatest sketcher that ever lived. And if we look at this uh, on the left, we can see kind of in the bottom of that page, Leonardo da Vinci, is uh, his ideas thinking about the metal link chain that you see on a bicycle or motorcycle. 
and contrast that to a modern designer on the right. We're using some markers in different media. Uh, this is from HLB, a design firm out of Chicago, Illinois, and it's an ideation sketches for the Motorola uh, headset that's worn by the NFL head coach. So it's some different viewpoints of that and, so, and some color touches. These are sketches and a chair uh, by a Japanese designer, Toshiyuki Kita. And I thought this was kind of interesting because he uses uh, white media on the black paper. And uh, on the right, we see a photograph of the chair. But on the left, the series of sketches, uh, it's just a few, but we see the chair in some different positions. We see a side view. Uh, we see in the upper right uh, sketch, it's kind of exploded view of each separate component. So although there's not a lot of uh, work there, the quality of it and the communication is very good. We can really understand that chair uh, by looking at the sketches. After the sketches are reviewed by various people, uh, the designer selects a few, the client looks at them, and uh, usually the in-house, uh, the, the team reviews sketches and picks out a few that they select and make better sketches. So tighter lines, uh, some color. On the left we have some footwear here that has a simple exploded view and some color and a couple of different closure solutions. And on the right uh, is some sport glasses. Uh, this is a design done by Insight, Insight Product Development. They're also coincidentally out of Chicago, Illinois. And as you can see, it's not a realistic description of the eyewear, but it zooms in on that hinge mechanism and how that's going to work. So these are sketches to be shared with clients. Here are some more sketches, and uh, this is this is some work by IDEO. That is a firm that I think we uh, you might discuss in the lecture notes on the course or in some of the reading. Uh, but anyway, they they do a lot of prototyping and they design this kind of famous uh, toothbrush for Oral B. On the upper right, you can see they did a lot of mock-ups for it, and the sketch on the left just shows a simple idea of how a pack the packaging might serve as a um, rest for the toothbrush. So because the designers design for mass manufacture, they have to understand and be familiar with a lot of different manufacturing materials and processes. This is one of the most challenging aspects and this is one, uh, and one way that the designer is really on the forefront of technology in society. So understanding how plastic, metal, wood, ceramics, um, and all the variations of these materials, and then how they are formed, and then how they are assembled and put together. So it's one of the really uh, primary skill sets for a designer. And here we're seeing a, a chair in production. Uh, it, the design is by Philippe Stark. He's a French designer. And if you see in the upper left, there's the shape of metal. Uh, the metal are two halves and the mold comes together and then the plastic is uh, shot in there it's injected in it's called injection molding and the mold for this type of chair cost about three hundred thousand dollars so that gives you uh, an idea of the investment that's required for just a simple plastic chair this is a different chair this is designed uh, for the company Herman Miller it's called the Mira chair 
And uh, we might see this chair later as well as an example of sustainable design. But uh, if you see the chair assembled in the upper left, what's um, not known or not realized to a lot of people is the number of components in something like uh, an office chair. And on the right, we see all of the components. Another aspect of most all designs is that they are used by people to varying degrees. So there are uh, designers that specialize in ergonomics and human factors. So ergonomics has to do with the measure of the human body. So I would have to study um, a lot of human dimensions if I were going to design an office chair or other kind of furniture or even a cell phone, how it fits on my head and how I hold it in my hand. Human factors includes a human measure and also a visual perception and even hearing. So someone who's going to design a bank teller machine needs to be uh, very uh, familiar with human factors, what's easy to see and understand. I think you've probably all had some maybe problems or frustration at gas pump to figure out how it works, but that's all um, part of the industrial designer's responsibility. So we really have to look at, at people uh, physically and psychologically. American designer Henry Dreyfus was one of the pioneers in the field of ergonomics. And uh, here we see some of his work on the left for various things. I mentioned the telephone, and this is showing an, uh, the old kind of telephone receiver, how it fits to the head. Then the upper right is a very simple uh, analysis. And he would measure, actually, um, hundreds of people. So all these dimensions are averages. On the bottom right is a view into a John Deere cockpit for a, a tractor. Um, it's not the tractor from the 1930s. These are um, high-tech tractors with CD players and air conditioning and uh, lights and stuff. And they're, they're quite advanced cockpits, actually. And uh, Henry Dreyfus is one of the leaders in uh, tractor designs. But uh, most importantly, and the thing we want to know about Henry Dreyfus is that he's a pioneer of ergonomics. This is a couple more images, a few more images of work by the office uh, of Henry Dreyfus. Henry Dreyfus uh, died uh, decades ago, but his office lives on in New York City. It's called Henry Dreyfus and Associates, and they continue to do pioneering work in ergonomics. Uh, the top couple of Im images are tests and prototypes for a controller for a uh, forklift. And then the bottom is, uh, on the left, it's a measuring device to measure different size people. And then uh, they use this information to design uh, airline seating for uh, uh, airplanes. So the human fit is very important, especially for handheld products, things like tools, anything with a handle. Uh, does, designers typically make uh, multiple prototypes and have a lot of people uh, grip it in their hand. A uh, kind of famous design that uh, was a result of ergonomic hand study were the OXO good grips. There's the peelers and spoons and everything, and these are handles that uh, just got a little bit bigger so people can grip them better. So hopefully good designs, they serve some sort of function. And it might be, you know, just kind of a something that you need around the house, not necessarily a life-saving function or a function of a tool, but, you know, on the left is a plug here that I can easily kind of put my thing, finger through and pull out. 
Uh, this is an idea for a backpack that can expand to larger size. And uh, I think you might recognize the Dyson vacuum cleaner that uh, really works well. So uh, all of these designs, they might look good and they might have some other things about them. But first and foremost, they really uh, want to accomplish some kind of function and they want to do it well. Another thing that hopefully a good design has is it's an innovation. Uh, it's either innovative or inventive. So uh, we'll talk about this later, too, in another uh, lecture. But an invention is the idea of something that's totally new. And an innovation is kind of improvements upon that along the way. But in any case, the designer has to be creative and to be able to recognize a problem and to think about new ways to solve them. So this fan on the right, for example, uh, the blades are made of cloth. So the designer uh, recognized the problem of uh, children or anyone uh, sticking their finger in a fan with a metal blade or even plastic blade, and it really hurts your finger. So instead of trying to create a, uh, a cage or something, the designer just simply made the fan blades out of a durable uh, textile material, and when the motor comes on, it, it still puts out a good breeze. Uh, here's a couple, a few other innovative solutions. On the left, we see a handbag, and uh, they contracted a shoe company to provide soles for them, and they stitched it right into the bottom. And so, what problem does that solve? That solves the problem of a bag not standing up when you set it down. So, if you have some drinks or things in there, uh, when you set this bag on the ground, it'll generally kind of stand up. Um, the middle illustration, the middle image, is a chair with a stool, and the designer noticed the stools gets pushed around, and it also takes extra floor space. So this is a um, Swedish design, I think, and the uh, the stool is kind of like a almost this little tongue that comes out of the chair, and it can slide back into the chair. The tennis shoes on the right, they're actually prototypes; they were never produced, but uh, they were experimental shoes by Nike, I think that uh, fold up to fit in a backpack or pocket because the problem was uh, children wanted uh, high, it was for middle school and high school students and they wanted to carry an extra pair of shoes around with them just in their backpack or pocket and the last slide here I think as an illustration of innovation is this toaster and perhaps it's unlike any toaster you've seen and uh, this did not go into production but it won the uh, design competition on designboom.com I'm pretty sure that's a required website you should go uh, you have to go to and look around so once again this is from designboom.com and if you can see, this is a toaster where you slide each piece through, and there's heating coils in there, and then the toast rests uh, right on top of the table. Okay, uh, some more innovative <laughs> furniture. Uh, on the left is a type of desk designed for school children that have to uh, reposition their chair, and they also have to hang their uh, backpack or something. So there's a hook on the front of the table, and the chair is on casters and pivots around the table surface. The picnic table and chairs on the right uh, are able to be tipped up, and they stay there. Uh, in case it rains, the water just pours off them, and they stay generally uh, dry. And the last category that we mentioned in that uh, those initial slides were that designs can be beautiful like art. 
And in fact, some designers, uh, first and foremost, their concern is to make something beautiful. They consider design an opportunity to make the world a more beautiful place. So not necessarily does it work better or is easier pr to produce, but it just brings some joy to your life, maybe a smile to your face. And so this is a piece of furniture on the left, uh, soap dishes in the middle. The kind of alien-looking colorful pieces in the top center are produced by Alessi. It's an Italian company, and they're actually little salt and pepper shakers. So you put salt and pepper in them, and they just sit on the table. Uh, the circular base is made from stainless steel. The green designs on the right, uh, well, the green hanger and the blow dryer, they're designed by uh, Australian designer Mark Newson. Uh, these are images of some of our students' work, actually. So the automobile on the right was uh, primarily an aesthetic or a study in like uh, how a car can, can look good. So it's a clay model, and he finished it with some paint. And then the upper left is a espresso cup and saucer. So this was done in our um, industrial design beginning studio course. The bottom left image is actually from a famous American designer, Raymond Lowy. Uh, it was produced during the 1930s in a very short run production. Just a few of them were made. And it's a pencil sharpener that um, if you look at it, it might even be kind of difficult to use, might not stand up really well, but visually very dynamic and streamlined, and uh, people just really loved it, Yeah, even though it doesn't work good, just because it looks good. So here are some quotes by designers trying to explain what industrial design is, and uh, I don't know, I don't really have a strong feeling about these, but I wanted to put them up for you to look at. Uh, design is art that makes itself useful. Uh, that's close to a description I give uh, when somebody asks me, what is industrial design? I kind of say that's a cross between engineering and art. It has to work good, but also look good. The second one is uh, design is form that offers assistance. So this kind of lends its, itself, emphasizes the functionality of design. And the third one, I made the word techno. I kind of um, made the word technology stand out, is because uh, this is the theme of this class, and the designer's main task uh, is to creatively embed technology into the culture, and oftentimes without users even knowing it. Uh, for instance, the the uh, iPod and iPhones and these kind of technologies, uh, most of the users are not really aware exactly of the technology that's inside, but um, just that what it provides for their life. Uh, the last quote there, or the one after that, design gives products added value, which promotes sales. Uh, this emphasizes the economic uh, emphasis of design. And actually, the field of industrial design, as it was born in the United States during the 1930s, really emphasized the sales aspect. And the famous uh, quote from Raymond Lowy, who's one of the great American designers, says the most beautiful curve in industrial design is that uh, curve of the increased sales on a sales chart. And the last one, design is life, is of course, you know, design is everything. So all the products around us uh, that we think about, and I'm pretty sure you've heard the term designer jeans and designer this and that. Uh, so everything around us is designed in one way or another, except nature. This diagram is my final slide in this lecture, and we'll see it again later, uh, dissected a little further. But I just wanted to show you the position of the industrial designer there as kind of a, a bridge between 
Um, on the bottom, we have the user, which is the consumer, the buyer, and the manufacturer, somebody who makes it. So um, let's say a company like Motorola will hire me to make something for them, but there's also a user that buys that object. So I have to consider the manufacturer and the user. And then I have to make it work good, so it functions well. It's a good value for the user. It's a good value for the manufacturer. Uh, they're able to produce it at a good price, and then uh, it looks good. So the appearance, it looks like a Motorola product, and it looks like something the user would like to have. So uh, this actually becomes very complex, but I wanted to show you here in a kind of simple diagram.